Lego. Lego. Before we jump into our episode today, I wanted to talk about our sponsor. So you've just purchased the Harry Potter Diagon Alley set and just love the build and the design. But think, what would it look like at night if it was all lit up? Well, with Game of Bricks, you really don't have to imagine it. They made it a reality. Game of Bricks produces custom lighting kits for your favorite Lego set. From the Lamborghini Zion to the Razor Crest to the latest Lego Christmas 2-in-1 wreath set. There are so many options to choose from. They send you a lighting kit and then you slightly adapt the building process so that you can include the lights in your set. They sent me a lighting kit for the Disney Castle and just wow. The level of detail and depth it gives is just stunning. Make your Lego creation a statement piece and stand out on your shelf with a Game of Bricks lighting kit. These can be purchased through their website on gameofbricks.eu and the link will be provided in the description. Give that Lego build the extra pop of light and color it deserves and purchase yourself a lighting kit from Game of Bricks. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Back to Brick podcast. I'm your host, Garrett, and today we also have another special builder interview. Today we're going to bring on Ralph. Ralph, thank you so much for, you know, taking the time out of your busy day to talk with us about your Lego designs. Hey, my pleasure, Garrett. So Ralph, just give us some, uh, you know, basic facts uh, so our listeners can get a, a bearing of where you are and what you like to do with Lego. Sure. Um, my name is Ralph uh, Savelsberg in Dutch, or Savelsberg, as English-speaking people will, uh, will, will will say. And I'm known as Mad Physicist on Flickr, which is the social media channel that I'm mostly active on. Uh, I live in the Netherlands. I've been building with Lego from a very young age. There's a picture of me um, with a Duplo model of a windmill, which is probably the most Dutch thing I could ever build. Uh, <laughs> Probably age three. I don't build windmills anymore, or at least I haven't for a long time, but uh, I've been building with Lego for 40 plus years. And I, I mainly build scale models of vehicles. So you started at a very young age at building mocks. Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't really know when, but this picture is from when I was, I don't know, three and a half or, or thereabouts. Um, and there are lots of pictures of me as a preschooler with Lego. And I remember getting a Lego train when I was six. So, uh, no, it goes back a long time. I'm in my mid-40s now. So, uh, <laughs> it's been a while. A very, you know, constant progression, you know, con- constantly with Lego. Um, um, but- uh, well, let's hope there's progress, right? <laughs> I, I, we'll, we'll get into that, of course, because there definitely is progress, sure. at least from what I see. <laughs> um, there's billions of minifigures out there, and we all like to collect or build them, but some people don't, but... You know, if you could make a minifigure that kind of personified you, what what would it look like? Yes, you have told me about this question. Uh, and uh, and uh, a while ago, and I've been pondering my, my reply. And, uh, you know, um, it's, not, it's not an easy thing. I'm not a, I'm not a big minifig scale builder to start with. Um, I'm building a few more minifig scale builds uh, now than I have done in the last few years. But for a long time, I didn't use them very much. Uh, and uh, I, I do admit, you know, they're a lot cooler than they used to be back in the 80s. And, and indeed, you know, there are so many different pieces. So it's a hard choice. And uh, the question for me hinges on what is it that I want the minifig to represent? Is it, do I want it to represent who I am? 
or or do I want it to represent you know somebody that I would aspire to be or somebody who has a more adventurous life for instance you know if, if that's if, if, if that's the, the reply then I would have to go for for an astronaut you know one of the astronaut figures with the Lunar uh, because how, how cool is it to stand on the moon and to look back at the Earth? Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, that that's a pretty good pick. <laughs> I, okay, well, you're actually yeah, glad, the, you, glad you proved. <laughs> that's actually, but I think, the first person to say that. Okay, well, even, even if the moon is made out of Lego or, you know, those old crater base plates or whatever, it's still, still the moon. But uh, that figure doesn't really represent me, of course. Uh, because I'm I'm a I'm a university lecturer, uh, and I'm quite happy with my job and with my life. And uh, and uh, you know the minifigure of me would uh, would wear uh, normal trousers, a, a probably a shirt and glasses, and have gray hair. That 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 sums me up uh, in real life. So far removed from an exciting test pilot slash astronaut on the moon. Well. Maybe removed just in the physical part, but mentally you're you're an astronaut in in, in some fashion, I'd say. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I do, I do I do teach about rockets, so there's that link. Oh, there you go. You're already halfway there. <laughs> <laughs> you built a mock really early in life, but now as you progressed, how did you jump into building vehicles? I, when I was about seven, I had a really good friend from school, and we used to get together after school as well. And uh, and both of us were sort of crazy about cars, and we had uh, we built our own cars, and we had our Avaland figures. Would you believe it? Uh, have uh, have uh, adventures with those cars, and I think uh, uh, probably some of that goes back to 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 that time. So when I was sort of seven or eight, um, and. Uh, there were cartoon shows that we used to watch on television. Like, I don't know whether you've ever heard of it. There was a show called Mask, where they had vehicles that could turn into a jet or into a helicopter. We used to build those. Um, and uh, yeah, I never, I don't build those anymore, but I, I, still, uh, I still like building cars. Uh, and also, um, well, I think I saw Top Gun sort of in 1987 or thereabouts, or 1988 on TV. Um, and that got me interested in, in, in aircraft. Um, and that also got me interested in building aircraft models, particularly also because of, you know, the, the plastic scale modeling that some people do. I was terrible at that. Um, my friend is good, but I, I, I just not. I don't have the patience and there was a lot of glue and, and sand, sanding and, and uh, paint involved. And uh, uh, that was not my cup of tea. So building them out of Lego made, made an awful lot of sense to me at the time, and still does. It's much more fun. And I, I've tried to expand a bit, you know, build, build, build other things, but I keep gravitating back towards planes and cars. In general, I don't think that's a bad thing to build out of Lego. I, I share the same sentiment about model cars. I had a few when I was younger, just uh, right. never really got into... I never got past the point where I had to now paint it. I'm like, ooh. No, I don't want to do that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I did. I did. Together, I, but, I, yeah. I did paint mine, but then you'd look at your model uh, on your desk, uh, probably slightly high from the glue, uh, and, uh, and and at the, at, the, at the front of the box that it came in. And, you know, my version never compared. You know, it was always terrible. Uh, yeah, um, and that was the hardest part. At least when you could do a Lego, 
at least you can make it either look like something or if you were to buy like, you know, the car sets, it looks like what you're getting. Exactly. What you see is what you get. Uh, and uh, and you know, if I build my own mock, um, you know, um, uh, there are inherent limitations to the effects you can achieve with Lego, right? There's, there's always going to be a certain limit to the smallest part that you can use and to the shapes. And I, I actually actually don't mind that. And I, I, I like the Lego aesthetic that you get. I like having some studs on my models, for instance. So um, it's a Lego representation of the real thing. And that has some limitations, but that also kind of makes it cool. And it'll, I can accept that it'll never look perfectly like the real thing. Mm -hmm. but, but I can still get pretty close. Right, right. I mean, and the goal is to, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I'm going to guess the goal is to make it in the scale that you like as accurate as possible to the shaping of that, of that vehicle. Yeah, yeah, I think that sums it up quite nicely uh, uh, with, with, with added studs, though. You know, I've spoken with some designers where they really like it to be as smooth and as clean as possible, no studs, and then others that, like, it's a Lego, make it studs. I, I like both. Do you have a, I mean, you have a preference, obviously, that you like the studs. What makes you choose these um, more studded style? Um, I think it's, uh, it probably goes back... Uh, um, a fair while as well. Um, in the eighties, I used to be a huge fan of the of the model team sets, um, which uh, I mean, some of your listeners may not may not know, but they were really certainly for the time really realistic models of mainly vehicles that uh, came out uh, I think in nineteen eighty six, and the range ran until the early nineties, um, and. Uh, they were the sort of vehicles that I aspired to building to uh, when I when I was you know in my in my early teens, which I was at the time. Um, and uh, even though they were very, really detailed, they too had studs. So the, and, and the studs is, is is for me is a part of the aesthetic that goes with Lego. Um, the whole studless building uh, is is a, I think a much more recent development, even for Lego themselves. You, if you if you look at the recent sort of creator vehicles like the Mustang, which is which is a great set, and that's almost completely studless nowadays. Twenty years ago, it wouldn't have been. I, I like the Mustang; it's a, it's an awesome set. But to me, the the style of the model team sets look more like Lego, and I like my models to be Lego representations of a real thing, almost as though whoever designed the model team truck that I was a fan of in the eighties as though they would have designed one of the vehicles that I'm building now with studs. Um, it's not exclusive. Um, you know, most of the things that I just build to entertain myself, they are studded, but I do collaborate with, with other builders for events, uh, and uh, many of them do prefer studless models. So uh, uh, to fit in with, with, with their models, uh, I, I do build studless every now and then. Um, and it's, uh, you know, it's... It's possible to build studless and still have something of my own style. So I do, I do quite enjoy it, but not, not always. And I think that it, it, it doesn't matter. I think in the long run, it's, it is made out of Lego. So like for me, I, I do both styles, but I mm -hmm. will say looking like just enjoying your designs. It's really nice to see the stud because you, there's so many design things you'd have to change just to like, you know, make the hood of a car studless. Um, 
because you're either going to have to do tiles or you're going to have to turn uh, pieces sideways and it, it creates even more challenge. And then in the end, can can you do it in that scale? And it doesn't necessarily look all that much better. Um, right. If, uh, certainly, um, one of the things I do when I'm building an aircraft model is uh, is I, I step I step plates and tiles and I mix them and that actually to the eye gives it gives it a slightly um, gentler curve than it would do if you were to build it solely using plates or solely using tiles. So you can actually use the studs to your advantage. Um, a similar a similar technique is uh, if you say build the roof of a car. Um, you know the roof of the car, the middle bit is is practically flat, but towards the edges, they tend to slope down slightly. And it's, it's very subtle. But if you make the middle bit studded and you make the outer edge with a tile, you, you, your eye immediately turns it into a slight curve. It is cool to see it like trick the eye because it, like from a distance, you're like, wow, that looks so like clean and flat. I don't know how they did. And then you walk up like at one of your, if you're displaying them, then they're like, oh, actually, nope, that's Lego. But it also it still Lego. looks yeah, like the car. Yeah. Uh, sometimes you know some some, some people um, look at my models and and say, well, doesn't he doesn't he ever do any snort building, right? Um, and they they snort is this weird uh, abbreviation or acronym that stands for studs not on top. So they they see studs on top of my model, and they and they they, they mm -hmm. go, well, that's not snort building. And uh, I think, well, yeah, they look simple, maybe, um, but they're really not. Uh, there's a, uh, and, and I, I see snot as, as sort of any sort of structure where you go sideways or upside down with elements, irrespective of whether there are actually studs on them. Uh, and, uh, and my models usually are chock full of those techniques, even though they do have studs on the top of it. So, um, um. It's a, as we just said before, it's a combined uh, mode of creation. You can't just do everything the same way. Yes. And uh, that's that's the first, right? that's a, that's that's the big, you know, that's the fun of Lego, right? You have these you have these limitations in the sort of parts that are available and the shapes that you have and certain parts and certain colors, and and, and you have to be creative to come up with ways to combine them such that you get the effect that you want, um, which uh, um, I suppose if if you, if you could get any shape, you know, if you could three D print. Your elements, you know, why, why would you even bother building them out of elements in the first place and not 3D print the whole thing? But that's a, probably a different discussion. Anyway, <laughs> I like, I like <laughs> Lego. What are the limitations? Um, they force you to be creative and they force you to come up with, with, with uh, you know, different combinations. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yes, and that, that is like the overarching thing I've heard with designing, uh, especially even myself, is... It's a square brick, but I can make a round, I can make a ball out of this. And yeah, that's the coolest part is if you have that imagination to see something, but you know it can do more. Yes, exactly. Um, I don't know whether this applies to you too, but I've had similar discussions with with other builders. Um, you know, if they if they if they're walking around in a city and they're looking at things. Um, they're already imagining how to how they could re recreate them uh, with Lego. Um, specifically roofs do that to me. If I see an interesting roof, I go, Ooh, I wonder, you know, those sort of slopes or angled plates or, I don't know, some wedge plates, could I, could I recreate that? And if you look at something and your mind starts turning it into Lego, 
Uh, yeah, I no, I, I see in Lego. Uh, <laughs> maybe not yeah, the same, exactly. like numbered, uh, like Emmett does in the Lego movie, but I I see like a yeah. a unique building or a curve, and I'm like, oh, that'd be so cool if I could figure out how to do that in a curved fashion with Lego. Um, and right, and, and, yeah. and now you know another another typical thing that I found that a lot of Lego builders do is um, uh, colors. Right. Do you do you if you if you have to describe the color or something, uh, do you go do you go with the matching Lego color? Yeah, I, I do. Uh, it's funny because yeah. now, like, just looking at like the table, I can see it as the the light brown uh, color, which I'm super disappointed. Lego only makes like five of those bricks. I wish they made more. Yeah, yeah, that's very um, disappointing. <laughs> and uh, but that that's the thing. There's there's certain colors you're like, uh, oh wait, that's that's not. Um, uh, that's not green that's turquoise or that's dark turquoise um i have to say so yeah, they're making it, it they're making it harder with all those colors they introduced for the friends theme you know there's there's just how many teals and and, and, and turquoises can you, can you have? <laughs> <laughs> apparently not enough uh because they gotta no, make more like in your designs like as we talk about color and stuff do you have trouble matching some of these because uh like right now uh i'm looking at your icon uh iconic cars series where you do like the uh, a-team truck you have the um uh, the jurassic park jeep uh and a bunch of others like the batmobile just to name a few yeah, the original yeah, and, like about, the newest. 50 or 60 of them <laughs> yeah did you how how's that how's that work when you're trying to find those colors and making sure that it's as as accurate as possible and like you know your windscreen you're not going to find a big windscreen. You, you build no, these. No, this yes. Is, this is something that a lot of people don't like about my models, the windscreens. Um, uh, but um, so I, I, build, I build my windscreens using transparent bricks and transparent slopes. Uh, and uh, as everybody who builds with Lego knows, if you stack a lot of transparent bits on top of each other, you end up with something that's really not all that transparent at all. Right, so you can't actually see through the windows. You can see that it's a window, but you can't see what's inside with, with most of them. Um, it's one of those compromises. I'd rather have a windscreen that I can't see through than, than not have a windscreen at all. Um, and uh, no, not having a windscreen is fine if it's flat, but if you think of uh, as a sort of 50s car with this really sort of curvy panoramic window, if, if you have just an empty frame, it just doesn't look right, at least to me. I, I'd rather fill that in. So that's a that's a compromise. Um, the colors, well, you know, a lot of a lot of things have improved um, in terms of colors. There there are so many of them that it's uh, that it's it's rare for me to find a car. Uh, certainly, when it comes to say a, a movie car or or uh, a car from a TV show um, that has a color for which I can find no equivalent. There there are some there are some that makes make life hard. Uh, for instance, um, there's the Pontiac Aztec from uh, Breaking Bad, which uh, which has this really sort of sickly livery brown greenish color in the in the in the show, um, and uh, and that was um, I had a hard time with that. I uh, I, I considered sand green. 
Um, but I ultimately went with tan bricks because it is it is the closest, but it doesn't have the greenish tint tint to it that the one has in the in the in the movie. So that that was a compromise. Uh, another one was the um, Fab One from from Thunderbirds, which is pink. Now, of course, Lego makes pink. Um, Lego makes lots of pink, but I didn't have any of it. And uh, so I collected pink Lego for, uh, for a ridiculous amount of time before I had all the pieces to be able to build a car. And I'm like, okay, I've now, I've now reached the point where I'm buying pink Lego on Bricklink. You know, this is, but hey, it's a pink car. What, what, what can you do? Um, I'm trying to think of whether there were any bars that I would have liked to build that I ultimately ended up not building because I didn't have the parts and the color. Uh, I can't think of any right now. Um, well, I mean, and, and, out of 50 and, and, iconic well, cars, there's there's quite a few. I don't know if you've missed the only one, honestly, the only one I've seen or thought about while looking through this would be like right? the, the, mis the mystery van from uh, Scooby-Doo. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've, you know, I've thought about that. Um, I've, I've tried to steer clear of cartoons, really. And uh, mm. I realized that I realized there was a sort of live action movie with a computer animated dog as well. Um, but that was just horrible. And, 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 and <laughs> it's, uh, I can tell you a funny story about that, though. Um, because Lego made, made a set of that mystery machine, right? A couple of years ago. Mm -hmm, they did. And uh, so I, I displayed my movie vehicle collection at a show in the UK a few years ago. Uh, and I'd been talking to friends of mine from the Netherlands uh, about how, how cool this show is. Um, and uh, that year, they decided to come over. So there were four other Dutchmen besides myself at that show, um, because I'd convinced them that it would be cool. And uh, as, a, as a gift, because I was the, the guy who convinced them to go there, they, uh, they decided to buy me the mystery machine um, set. And uh, uh -huh. I didn't know about this. This was a, this was a, uh, a surprise. And uh, I did see one of them building that set earlier in the morning, thinking, oh, he's bought the mystery machine, uh, but thinking nothing of it. And then later during the day, as I walked past my table, I noticed my friends looking at me. Um, and uh, at some point, I got, I got a bit suspicious. And then I realized that the Lego set of the mystery, uh, of the mystery machine was sitting among my Lego car collection. And I hadn't <laughs> seen it. I it. I walked past it maybe a dozen times. I hadn't seen it. And they were there looking at me, wondering when I was going to finally pick it up. Um, cool surprise. Uh, cool prank. Um, and, uh, you know, I still, I still have that sitting, sitting in my office upstairs because it's, it was you know, <laughs> such, a, such a cool memory. Yeah. You just bro, you just breezed right past it. Just blended yeah, yeah. in with all the other cars. <laughs> Even though it's a different scale, you know, it tells yeah. you how, how, you know, I probably had a pint too many the night before. <laughs> That's funny. That's a good story. I don't, I never got the mystery van and, uh, I always loved, I was just a big Scooby-Doo fan, but like some of the other cars in here is great. The Munsters, um, uh, oh yeah, the Munsters coach. Yeah. That was, uh, that yeah. was fun. And, uh, it's, Chitty Chitty uh, Bang Bang. Like the, the, these are iconic cars. And what's great is like anyone that sees, a, uh, this build in person or a photo, they're going to know what it is. 
These, um, you know, I've been I've been to a lot of shows with a lot of models, uh, and and these are by far the most popular ones that I ever took to events because um, um, you know kids and their parents will come to this to, to these events, and uh, you know the the kids will recognize the sort of more modern ones or or vehicles that are from um, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, for instance. You know that that is an icon. Uh, uh, but there'll be some some stuff from '80s TV shows like The Full Guy or, uh, or or '80s movies like Blue Thunder, which the kids don't know, but the parents do because the parents are my age. Uh, and and you, they, they get into this. A lot of people get into this little game where where they ask their kids to point out the ones they know, and then the kids go, "But what's that, Daddy?" And so they spend a lot of time looking at all of them and uh, and sort of reminiscing about how terrible The Full Guy was. Um, or and, and it becomes a sort of sort of family family thing, which for me as a builder is really rewarding because people are thinking, looking at the models, discussing the models, thinking about them, uh, and uh, asking me questions. So there's a lot of interaction. They are amazing fun, and uh, you know I've, it's petered off a little bit. I haven't built uh, any of them recently um, because I think I built <laughs> I built so many of them. Uh, um, it's becoming becoming harder to find ones that are interesting, but um, yeah, I will. I, I do still. Uh, I do still have them. Um, I, I, there aren't any shows now, but I'll take them to shows again, and they'll probably add a mm-hmm. few. You know, so much more fun to display than my aircraft models. Which I was just going to actually get to after, you know, first saying great job with the Top Gear team. That that was that was really fun. Oh, uh, <laughs> having them with the, the Caterham. I, I, I have to admit um, that that was inspired by a uh, by a build from uh, from one of the Legoland parks. I mean, mine are slightly different and a slightly different scale, but they do have a sort of similar similar scene. Uh, and, and certainly at shows in the UK, they go down really well. Oh yeah, I bet, and especially now with the, the we're big Grand Tour fans and Top Gear fans right. here in our house, so they they crack us up. Um, it's just fun people, to see them also. Keep, uh, people people keep telling me that my uh, Richard Hammond figure is too tall. <laughs> yeah, it only should be like one stud tall. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly, it should come to Jeremy Clarkson's hip height. Oh yeah. Um, but now I, I did want to move into your aircraft build uh, builds. The they're massive, um, and especially like I'm in the United States Navy, so I know a lot of these aircraft. Um, what drew you to do uh, aircraft and military vehicles like this? Top Gun happened nineteen nineteen eighty six or nineteen eighty seven. I don't know when it came out, but a couple of years later, I saw it on TV, and I thought these things were just so incredibly cool. Um, and uh, and uh, the, the Lego the, the uh, plastic scale modeling kit thing didn't work out because of all the glue and the paint. So uh, uh, yeah, I started building them out of Lego, and uh, um, well, that must have been sort of late eighties. And uh, obviously, then um, there were far fewer curved parts and sort of wedge plates and cheese slopes and whatever, all kinds of good parts that we have now that make building airplanes somewhat easier in some respects. Um, so they were, they were quite blocky. Um, but um, 
I've, I've kept improving them over the years and they keep getting nicer, I think, and I keep getting closer to the shape that I want. Uh, and uh, so there's endless, there's endless inspiration there. And also um, there are so many, right? Um, I, I, you, you, you may have noticed uh, that I do have a lot of US Navy aircraft in particular. And uh, you know, there's, there's something very cool about flying jets off a carrier. I was in Norfolk last year, this, uh, around this time, and I took a, uh, took a cruise through the port, and I actually saw two Nimitz-class aircraft carriers for the first time, um, and they are amazing. And uh, um, jets, on top of that, is, they are just amazing, and the F-14 Tonga in particular is amazing. And I, I realize they're retired now, but you know, for me, if I think of an aircraft carrier, I think of and then I think of Tomcats, and uh, and that combination is just very cool. So I've always had Tomcats, and I've I've been building other types of U.S. Navy aircraft around them. Um, I'm looking at um, I'm looking at building some from the fifties now, which uh, which uh, which would be a new project. Um, they're just very cool. They're done really well. Are they so? Are they to that minifigure or not? Excuse me, minifigure, mini land scale that you've done for some of the other builds that you do, or are they at a smaller um, scale? I build them at two different scales. Um, I, the, 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 I have a, uh, a scale. Uh, some are built to a scale of one inch thirty six, which mm-hmm. uh, um, which is a bit larger than I would consider appropriate for minifigs. But um, for some reason, it works quite well. There's just enough space for undercarriages um, and, and, and the weapons, the sort of the, the, the diameters of the round bricks that LEGO makes are reasonably suitable for making various types of missiles and tanks, uh, you know, fuel tanks uh, that are suspended from the wings. Um, and also, uh, because the scale is relatively small, I can build really large aircraft at that scale. So right, I have right. A, I have a B-52. Um, well, not not U.S. Navy, obviously, as you know, um, but uh, that is at a scale of one in thirty-six. That has a five-foot wingspan, um, so it's huge. But um, yeah, it, it, the only reason why it isn't huge, even more huge, is because the scale is relatively small. Um, I I'm also I've also built some aircraft at the the slightly larger scale that's sort of closer to Miniland, which is uh, I think Miniland is one in twenty and mine are about one in twenty two, and for complicated reasons, um, and uh, they're big projects. You know, even 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 a relatively small aircraft like an F sixteen, again also not U.S. Navy, at, at a scale of roughly one in twenty is uh, I don't know two and a half feet long. So it's a big, it's a big thing. Um, so I don't do that all that often. Um, I'm, I'm not patient enough to build all these large things. <laughs> the scaling, I would say, it. I was asking because it looked to be the harder aspect because you have to, you know, still have, you know, like for the Tomcat, the swept wing design just in the right fashion with it leading into the cockpit. It's, uh, it, it's definitely a way of shaping it to look just like a specific aircraft because some aircraft look very similar to the others. So you want to distinguish between, you know, an F-15, between an F-16, things like that. Sure. Uh, I I want to get to a point where somebody who knows the aircraft will immediately go, oh, look, that's an F-16. And and not just any F-16. Oh, look, that's a Dutch Air Force F-16. 
or or mm-hmm. uh, oh that's a, that's an error that's 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 a U.S. Navy F-14 that used to be on U.S.'s Nimitz. Or, you know, the, the, I get I get really anal about these things. Um, I got a really <laughs> cool comment from uh, he's, he's a former B-52 uh, electronic warfare officer, and he loves my B-52 model. And he says um, he, he said when he first saw it, he noticed that there were a couple of blade antennae uh, suspended from the fuselage at the bottom. He said, they're, they're right next to the access hatch, and you don't want to know how often I hit my head on those when I when getting out of the airplane. <laughs> and, and you've got them. Your model has those antennae. Okay, so these sort of details, I, I, I like that. And, uh, and, and I certainly like hearing from people who actually work with these things that they recognize them and that they recognize the details and uh, that I got things just right. It's, that's very cool. That is that that is really cool. It's funny that you say that because, for an example, I know the F eighteen, and that's sure. like extremely well represented. The um, you also have the Tomcats well represented. Like, and my father was actually an E two pilot in the Navy. So looking at your E two, oh, cool. like having the dish, like it's the perfect scale too because like that thing was massive uh and it, it it's amazing that, that they could land these on aircraft carriers it's just amazing it has i believe it's eight feet of uh clearance so it's the hardest thing to land on the aircraft carrier and uh, my yeah, dad would definitely well, i'll have to show him these pictures because he's like oh man that's so cool did you do that? i'm like mm, no but <laughs> uh it's just a very, very cool representation. Now, how do you design something like that? So as an, just take one of your aircraft as an example. How, how do you go about starting your process of building that out? I mean, the first, first step is, is actually the selection, right? What, what is it that I'm going to build? During that selection, I'm already looking at, can I build it? And, 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 and is, it, is, it, is, it, is it even possible? And once I've sort of reached the conclusion that, yeah, I can probably do this, then I'll, then I'll start by collecting lots of photographs. Um, I have books, which, which are very useful, but also uh, there are uh, web pages where scale modelers show off their models, uh, which, which come in very handy because they often show details that, that you don't see in a, in a photograph of the real airplane. Um, and uh, so I, I, I gather a lot of information. Um, and uh, and I, I typically, because the scale matters to me, because they're, they're all part of a collection, I want to be able to put them together. Um, I, um, I work out the size. I typically do that on paper, uh, on graph paper. Um, so I, I work out how, how large the thing has to be, say, how long is it, what is the wingspan, and how many studs will that be? And then I make a drawing. Uh, and I fill out um, the sizes of a lot of things. You know, how wide is the fuselage? How 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 long is the wing cord? Uh, where do the do the tail fins sit? Uh, what's the diameter of the engine nozzle? So I work 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 out all that on paper and, and using diagrams and photographs before I put the first few bricks together. Um, and uh, once I once I have this plan, then I then I start building. And then I typically, I typically go fairly quickly and because I already have a plan. I know what I'm doing. And then I can, there's relatively little trial and error involved in most of them. And there are some exceptions, but usually the idea in my head and on my picture is good enough to, to, to just build. So I don't do digital building, for instance. 
a lot of people do, but I'm old fashioned and I do things on paper. Well, I mean, I don't think I've ever actually heard someone do a design on paper, but I, I looking through your photos, seeing you do that, how do you use I, I, I think I missed did you say that you grew use standard or graph paper to just kind of get that scale? Yeah. Yeah, just just graph graph paper, typically with uh, with squares, and, and uh, certainly for top view, if you build studs up, you know that works mm -hmm. perfectly. Uh, and if you're looking at the side of a brick, obviously you know the, the bricks aren't uh, aren't perfect squares, uh, but uh, I do know that five plates are are, are the equivalent to a brick that's two studs wide, uh, and so that works on my graph paper as well. And uh, yeah, I do that. I've, I, I've been doing that for a long time, and it it works. So you know, if it ain't broken, don't fix it. I've tried digital building, but <laughs> ugh, it's just uh, yeah. I think the probably you know it's pretty impressive if you consider that a lot of this stuff, like like say the MLCAD and and and, and, and LDRAW, those sort of things were actually written by fans and are maintained by fans uh, and, and and the possibilities that are in that sort of software are pretty amazing i mean i'm impressed by it but for designing a model well my hats off to people who can actually do that for me it doesn't work it feels clunky and awkward and and um, i'd rather go from my little drawing to real bricks and do it that way i mm -hmm. find that a lot more um a lot easier to handle. And also, I spend a lot of time on my computer anyway. Um, you know, it's too much like work. <laughs> right. It's, um, I mean, I don't have the access to the bricks. And I, I say that like every time that I use digital quite often, but it's, right. uh, it is probably way better to, you know, use the physical bricks because you get to handle and feel and see in a physical way what it's turning out to be because you can correct it uh it's a, it's, it's a luxury yeah yeah um, yeah i guess uh, I, I am i am lucky in that i have a, a fairly well i have a substantial uh collection of lego still it's never enough right i still i still find that i'm building <laughs> something and i need i need say 20 of a particular type of slope and i only have 10 and then out goes another breaking border but um, yeah, I, I can do I can do a lot of things with the collection that I have, um, and uh, it's uh, it's much more. I, I I enjoy it. I can understand that you know if you don't have access to the bricks, that uh, digital is a good alternative. Um, mm -hmm. A friend of mine is in the U.S. Air Force, currently deployed somewhere to the Middle East, and uh, you know he 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 doesn't he doesn't have his bricks with him, obviously. So uh, you know if he's yeah. not partying or whatever it is that he does in the evenings he's he's in his he's in his little cabin or hotel room and uh, designing lego models on his computer which is pretty cool really i'm also guilty of that because like when we travel i'll use my i'll break out my laptop and just build where i can you know um yeah, if sure. i have an idea and just keep going and but like just seeing it's harder because then I have to then think, oh, this is great. Uh, now I have to go spend all that money to get all those bricks. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. It's not much. Yeah. Yeah. No. I have a piece of, I usually have uh, some, so, uh, you know, I have a, 
a notebook or whatever. And uh, if I have a if I have a dull moment during a during a trip where I don't know what I should be do- well, well, you know when I'm when I where I don't know what I should be doing, uh, you know I, I I draw I draw Lego models on my piece of paper. <laughs> and I mean that's it works whatever it you know whatever uh, you need to do to have uh, the design actually done. Yeah, sure. I mean I'm not, I'm not I'm not telling people that this is the way they should do it, right? This is- <laughs> right, right. This is the way I do it. That works for me. And if if if, if your brain works differently, or if if your collection is organized differently, or you don't have much of a collection, or or you're more of a freestyle builder who just gets some parts and then puts them together and goes, that kind of looks like a spaceship. I'll build from that. You know, my hats off to you. Just just everybody should do things the way they they see fit. But for for the sort of builds that I do and for the way my mind works, this this works. And uh, yep. usually, right, there are some exceptions. I'm building, uh, I'm building more studless models now uh, and also minifig scale uh, for a collaboration. Uh, that was intended for Brick Fair this year, but obviously that got cancelled. We're now hoping to do it at Brick Fair next year. Um, and I'm building some minifig scale airplanes that are studless. And uh, the overall size, I still do that on paper. And that works, but I find that certainly building studless, that there's a lot more trial and error involved in actually getting it to work. And uh, so they're 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 a bit they're a bit harder, but you know I get there in the end. Just a little bit more time. Got to play with bricks a little bit longer. Oh darn! Uh, <laughs> yeah, terrible, terrible. It's a uh, yeah. you know uh, <laughs> <laughs> now. Um, it's, uh, it's your agony. <laughs> with your with your models that you take to conventions, um, how how's that transport? It, is it pretty difficult to get these to these conventions? Um, well, you know, um, it's not too terrible. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it's Lego, right? So if something breaks, you can right. put it back together. So, uh, but yeah, I've, uh, I've I've traveled. I've I've visited Brick Fair a few times. I think seven times now. Uh, which which means you know going on an airplane and uh, putting them in my in, in in my suitcase, and uh, what I typically do is I, I I take off the most fragile bits anyway. So if I'm if you're if you think of an airplane, obviously you realize that if any sort of force is going to act on it, you know the the vertical fin will snap off, right? Or the or the or the nose cone or the other carriage or the mess up. So those fragile bits, I always always take them off. Um, preemptively, and I put them in a little Ziploc bag, and then uh, the rest that's 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 left, say the the fuselage and the wings, I wrap that up into bubble wrap, uh, and then the, the 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 whole package with the bubble wrap will go into a into a large Ziploc bag, um, and then that Ziploc bag will go into my suitcase, surrounded by you know clothes and um, underwear and whatnot, so that it doesn't rattle around. Um, and uh, usually, you know, they're 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 okay. Um, some things might break, but usually they're not too bad. There'll, there'll always be some repair uh, that will need to be done. But um, it, it, I've never had a model that was so badly mangled that I couldn't put it back together in say half an hour or so. Which uh, you know, if you're at a four day convention, what's well, half an hour? It's not. Oh terrible. yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know, there's a whole social side to this hobby that um, 
might not be apparent to people who are looking at it from the outside. Yes, and it, it, you get to be a part of that community and especially be a part of, you know, uh, the environment because it's fun. Conventions are always it fun. Is, it is. It is a lot of fun. Um, I, 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 I never knew how much fun this, this sort of thing was until I first actually went to one, which is uh, yeah, probably 2000. My first Lego event, I think, was in 2007 in the UK. I was really nervous when I went there, thinking, oh, God, what, what are people going to be like? But, you know, everybody is a Lego fan, and most Lego fans are rich people. And you have lots of things to talk about because you're all Lego fans. And, uh, yeah, and it was right. You know, there's no awkwardness, certainly in the UK, right? Where 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 there's a lot of, um, where there are a lot of topics that you really don't discuss with people you don't know that well, which is why everybody talks about the weather because that's a safe subject. Well, when you're among British Lego builders, plenty of stuff to talk about. Um, and uh, and uh, it was it was a lot of fun, and 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 that got me that got me started in the whole you know, uh, adult fan of Lego scene, going to events, um, uh, traveling. Um, I combine I combine trips with uh, with holidays typically. Um, and uh, all right, I, I go to Brickfair, Virginia, but I usually spend some time in in, in, in Virginia or in Maryland or I travel elsewhere in the United States um, before flying back home. I was in Japan last year also for a Lego event, but I spent, uh, spent about a a week and a half in Japan with other Lego builders, also sightseeing, and it was just it was just good good fun. And, um, you know, this is this is a big part of my uh, social calendar, which uh, you know with the pandemic really sucks. But what are you going to do? Yeah, I will say it's. I, I can't wait till we get back to it because um, it, it just brings yeah. us all together in a great like in place community. And I know we're, we're kind of winding down here on our interview too. Um, but I just want to first, I'll say thank you, you know, for taking the time to talk to uh, myself and especially our listeners today. I, I think they'll really, they'll get a great perspective of, you know, your builds, which uh, will, uh, I'll plug at the end here and uh, the community. I, just my final question is like, how do you think, how do you think Lego has affected or changed your life? Oh my! Um, I end with the big one. I always do. <laughs> I, think, uh, I think I touched. I think I touched on that uh, a little bit in in the previous questions. In that um, the Lego events and uh, interacting with other Lego fans has become a big part of my of my social calendar. Um, and specifically, uh, I mentioned the UK. Right. The the, the reason I. I actually went to a Lego event and joined a Lego users group in the UK was um, because I moved to the UK in 2006 and I had a hard time getting to know people. I felt a little bit lonely and I realized that um, if I if I wanted to meet people, I had to go out, uh, but I'm not very much into sports um, and I'm also not into pub crawls. Uh, at least not usually. I don't, I don't mind a pint every now and then, but you know, it's, I'm not a not a, a, a boozy kind of person. And uh, but I was a Lego builder, and I knew there were other Lego builders out there, and I, I I got to meet them, and that made my life in the UK a lot nicer with a with a with a whole social calendar and, uh, and 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 trips and even you know you probably know this as well if you get together with other lego builders you might start talking about lego but you start talking about a lot of other things as well um, so i made a lot of friends um lego's done that 
So that, that's, that's a big thing. Um, I also think that um, that's probably, well, how, how should I put this? So I'm a, I'm a, I'm a physicist and I, I, I teach about guided missiles to midshipmen. Right, that's, that's, that's what I do nowadays. Um, and, uh, but being a technical scientist, and you as an electronic warfare officer probably know this as well, um, the sort of skills you need, um, they, they overlap um, to some extent with the Lego building. Um, so, 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 and certainly as a physicist, when it comes to sort of being able to visualize things in 3D, um, Lego building has worked to my advantage in that respect greatly because I can I can visualize things in 3D really easily and that's been honed and trained by the Lego building. So I think that works to my advantage or, or has worked to my advantage in in, in getting the career uh, that I that I have and you know becoming a physicist and all that. Um, so that works, um, and it's just a great way to relax. And for me, like it gets my creativity out. And I think it's the same for all builders in some sense. You've built yourself into a community and found like-minded people that are, are yeah. you know, using this as their outlet for creativity, for relaxation, or to, you know, enjoy yeah. the things that they already love, such as vehicles from television shows or uh, aircraft from uh, around the the globe for the from the military it's it's um a great way to continue on in your own passions in one really fun medium that's yeah i think uh you know we were wrapping up this interview and that sounds like a pretty good conclusion to me <laughs> i think so too well uh uh ralph i i just want to thank you again this was really fun to talk to you um and, you know, hopefully in the future we can meet uh, here at uh, Brick Fair in Virginia and anyone else who's in the Virginia area. Uh, we'll, we'll hopefully next year have a good crowd and maybe I'll come out and, you know, have a podcast running out there. But everyone, please go check out uh, Ralph's uh, great work. I, I will definitely be posting all of his uh, links in the show notes and um uh, really just appreciate the hard work and effort that goes into all of this. But uh, Ralph, again, thank you. My, my pleasure, Garrett. And indeed, you know, um, hopefully there will be a break for Virginia next year. And we should, uh, we should definitely get together and uh, have some of the barbecue at Willard's. Definitely. Definitely. Well, thank you again, Ralph. Thank you. I want to thank you again for listening to this episode. And if you're looking to come on the show or know somebody that wants to come on the show, make sure to message me on Instagram at backtobrick2 and reach out on my email as well, backtobrick at gmail.com. It's an easy process. I, I really want to hear from all kinds of people. You don't even have to be a designer. If you just love Lego and want to talk about it, this is the show for you. I want to make it so that not just AFOLs enjoy this, but all people who want to learn about Lego. So I'll leave you with this as I always do. Get creative, get out there, and go build something.